Hey, just a fair warning uh, here at the beginning of the episode. Connection was a little spotty for reasons I'm not really aware of. Um, if there's some odd pauses, you know, I'm trying to, I'm going to try to edit it as much as possible, but if there's some weird pauses, don't, don't be worried. It's probably just the podcast, the internet, and uh, hopefully that won't be a problem again. Thank you. Enjoy the show. That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up on you? Yes! So I'm going to kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's going to be Johnny Hustle. If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome to the show to be named later, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christianta. On the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, it's, it's very conflicting this week how I'm doing. You got John Heyman saying there's an agreement almost in place. You got Joel Sherman and Evan Jarellick saying there's no deal even close to in place. I don't know what's going on right now. It's very confusing. I, I just want baseball, Chris. How hard is that too much to ask? Yeah, John John Heyman came out swinging, but little did we realize that, like, even with his absurdity, there's still actually progress being made, like substantial progress. Yeah, Manfred flew down to uh, Phoenix to meet with Tony Clark. Interestingly enough, because Arizona is like one of the worst states for coronavirus right now. I think it might be the worst state, actually. I don't know why they picked there of all places. I don't know why Tony Clark couldn't have just come up to Manfred, but... You know, we have progress. When and where, that's what all the players are saying. Even Mike Trout is saying it. I mean, you got to feel like maybe we just might be getting baseball this year. Yeah, so the MLB, the most recent MLB proposal was 60 games fully prorated, correct? It was. Um, I saw Jason Stark tweeted, the most ideal situation would be 66 games because of scheduling purposes. So I think the players might counter with that. I think the players are going to counter uh, the deal. That's what I've heard. So at least we got some sort of actual negotiation instead of just, here's an offer. Oh, no, here, we don't like it. Here's an entirely different offer. We actually have some real negotiations and countering going on here. I'm, I'm very happy to see them. I can't believe it in... took like a month to get here, but hey, better late than never. Yeah, I'm happy to see that uh, they're finally within like 10 games of each other because yeah. – I mean, it was just very frustrating to see, to watch from a from a third person perspective. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, sixty games fully prorated. You know, it there's probably going to be a counter offer, but I am at, I mean, they have to get something done in the next like four days, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you got another four days until Rob Manfred said he's not confident again because that's what happened last time. Yeah, I. <laughs> I mean, it goes from 100% confident to, oh, I don't think we're going to be doing it. There was, yeah, there was so much this week. There, it was such a roller coaster mm-hmm. ride, and now we've ended up in the best possible spot, which is unbelievable. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very interesting. But as, uh, any, anything more you got on the, uh, on the negotiations? I'm glad the players have stood their ground. I know a lot of people have been, you know, condemning the owners – for being, you know, greedy, uh, not not asking what the players want. Some people have done the same for the players. It's it's a very complicated as far as choosing sides go, but I'm glad the players have stood their ground and have refused to give in here. Yeah, if anything, if anything, the players have been consistent. They've always wanted mm-hmm. 
full. I mean, the owners have been consistent too, just not in a good way. Yeah, I mean, they've always stood their ground on pro rata. Um, you know, yep. they started out with 114 games and 89 games, and uh, now they're probably going to be down closer to 70 games. But they're always Perfect. they're going to get paid every single penny for you know the amount of games that they played. So uh, you know, you got to. That's happy. something I wanted to address. Is like. The people that are out there like, oh, well, they're making so much money. Like, why does it matter? Blah, blah, blah. Whether you're making $10 an hour or $25 million a year, you never want to go to work and not get paid. And that's a situation the players would be in with the offers that the owners keep on the table. Like, you have to understand, no matter how much you're making, you don't ever want to go to work for no reason. And even if your job is playing baseball and it's fun, it's still a grind and it still is work. It's your job. It's what you do to make a living. So the players... I'm glad that they are stuck up on this, you know, fully 100% prorated salary and they might be getting it. They might've finally, the owners may have finally given in. Yeah. And you also have to consider that uh, they're in, they're playing in a very tight, you know, their market value is a tight window and Mm -hmm. you know, your average MLB career is maybe what, seven or eight years. Um, Yeah. If you, if you look at it and your average salary is probably, you know, it's, you know, three or four million, but, you know, three or four million a year over, uh, and especially like, you know, guys making, uh, you know, guys in arbitration before free agency, you know, you have to, you have to consider all those guys. You know, it's, it's generally speaking, it's just very good to see, you know. Also, one thing we haven't, sorry to interrupt. Uh, Do you want to finish that? Um, one, you know, last thing I'll say is you're you're also at risk of injury. You know, I know it's not a contact sport, but you're, you know, more at risk of injury than, you know, your usual job. Also, you know, expanded playoffs. I mean, that's that was a thing in the uh, in the new offer that the owners put down. I have a feeling that expanded playoffs, the report that it was going to be become from 10 teams to 16 teams, which presumably means eight teams in each uh, league. That could probably become a permanent thing after this, just, you know, happening as an experiment. I could really see that. Yeah, it was suggested for 2020 and 2021. That's right. Mostly for um, just making back money and revenue, right? That and the CBA. 2021 anyway. Yeah, the CBA ends in 2021. I mean, as a, as a fan, I mean – Playoff expansions, expansion has happened once in my life, and initially mm-hmm. I didn't like it, and now I do like it. And Give me Mike Trout in the playoffs. If this is what it takes to get Mike Trout on a national stage, so be it. I am more than happy with that. But my, my gut on, you know, after 2021, if they expand the playoffs, my gut's going to be pretty negative. Like, I, you know, I don't really, you know, I, I like that there's, you know, only 33% of the team's, uh, get in mm-hmm. and it's a pretty you know one month one one month of playoffs is you know I feel like you're getting everything out of it that you can you know uh, if you expand to maybe a month and a half I feel like uh, people might you know people might be less excited about it I'm definitely going to be a little less excited about it I mean I'll still watch I think fan. I think one thing it brings an opportunity for is for small market teams to sort of rise up. You know, what we've seen a lot lately is the bigger market teams tend to dominate 
especially in the playoffs. You know, I mean, in 2018, the Red Sox and Dodgers made the World Series, and they were the top two payrolls in the league. The Nationals had a pretty big payroll this last year, even though they lost Bryce Harper. Uh, and I think that expanded playoffs can really give a gateway to some of those smaller market teams to have, you know, sort of level the playing ground a little bit because, you know, all it takes is a good month. You know, if the playoffs can be a crapshoot, you could be the best team in the league and then get swept in the playoffs. That can happen just as easily as winning the World Series. So if you have, you know, uh, the Twins sneaking into the playoffs with, I don't know, 86 wins as a six seed, who's to say they can't, you know, win it all? If they have, like, I don't know, um, the the Indians as a three seed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is good to get – I guess it would be good to get more teams in the tournament, make it mm-hmm. a little more interesting, you know, literally, you know, wild yeah. cards. Like, I don't um, think, I don't think an 18 playoff would just be like the number one teams make it from each league. And it's not even a contest. Like I think we could definitely see some upsets. Yeah. Especially when you consider like the roller coaster ride of a, of a baseball season, you could have a 100 win season and, and, you know, losing eight of your last 10, and be yep. in a tricky situation for sure. Like the, mm-hmm. the, the Indians in 2017. That's exactly what I was about to say. A month removed from a 22 game win streak. They lose, mm-hmm. in, they lose in the first round. And oh, even three if that straight was a, games. Yeah. And even if it, that was like a seven game series, they probably lose it anyway. Mm-hmm. And you could argue, you know, if, if Joe Girardi m- makes a challenge, uh, you could argue yeah, on the hit by pitch, right? Yeah, you could argue that the Yankees win in four in that series. So Easily. it's always interesting how that can come come into effect. I mean, you know, there's in terms of 16 team playoffs, there's NBA and NHL, which are like polar opposites. NBA is definitely more mm-hmm. predictable. NHL is just wild. Really, anything can happen. MLB it's, like, it's the roll of the dice. Yeah, MLB would probably be right in between there. In between. Yep. Like, yeah. I don't think it'd be just the Yankees-Dodgers World Series every single year, but I don't think it'd be, like, you know, the Diamondbacks playing against the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I I think uh, starting pitcher market value might go up a little bit, too. Yeah. I mean, you want to, like, people are – there's a lot of people complaining about, like, the openers right now. If you want to bring that, you know, starting pitcher value back up, hey, how about expanded playoffs, you know, more need for starting pitchers, need to pay them more that could be an easy solution to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you also have to consider like maybe in the, in the future, there might be expansion. So if there's expansion teams, then you probably have to expand the playoffs too. So, you know, it it might be inevitable ultimately. It could be. I would not, I don't think I'd complain. Yeah. I mean, having, having maybe like 32 MLB teams, maybe 12, uh, 12 playoff teams like the NFL wouldn't be the worst, worst case scenario. So anything, anything more on the topic? I got nothing else. That's kind of everything I had. All right. So that leads into our history portion of the episode, which is, you know, what you are probably tuning in for talking about Ricky Henderson today. Uh, I mean, Ricky Henderson, it's important to talk about a guy like Henderson because of how he was able to dominate in, like, 
above and how did how he was able to be above and beyond in one component of the game while being very good in uh, other components of the game. Like he was able to he was able to steal bases at a crazy rate while being a well above average hitter, which yeah. you, know, you you don't see a lot from base stealers, especially in the live ball era. Yeah, no, you know, you don't see Malik Smith putting up like 120 weighted runs created plus. Yeah, I mean, even like, even a guy like uh, Lou Brock, I think Lou Brock had like a 750 something OPS. Yeah. You know, he, you know, still a, a Hall uh, of Famer. Luis Aparicio, same thing. Yep, Luis Aparicio. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Vince Coleman. Vince another guy Coleman, like that. Yeah. You don't, yeah, you definitely don't see a lot of Ricky Henderson's and that's why we're going to be talking about him in the first part of episode 41 and I'll address it at the beginning of the episode this time if you don't know there what we we're go. Doing, if you don't know what we're doing we're talking uh because there's no baseball as of now that might change in about mid-July um there's no real MLB news um you know it's basically 10 minutes 10 minutes a week of MLB news so we've decided to pick 30 players and 30 teams to talk about, um, you know, kind of their marks in baseball history, you know, kind of what they meant to the game. Uh, you know, I've picked 30 players. Daniel has picked 30 teams. They're assigned random numbers. We each pick a number and whatever team those, uh, whatever uh, number, whatever, yeah, team those numbers land on. Uh, that's the player and team we're talking about. And last week's numbers landed on Ricky Henderson and the 2015 Royals. And we're very excited about it. So, yes, Ricky Henderson. Mm -hmm. So Ricky Henderson is a Christmas baby, born on Christmas, 1958. That's right. I mean, isn't it crazy that Jesus Christ was born on on the same day as Ricky Henderson? How about that? Uh, Yeah, I, I mean... I think uh, I think there's not the other way around. Yeah, or the yeah, or the other way around. I mean, uh, I think there's some connection there for sure. Yeah, I think I think that put a little more uh, pep in, in Ricky's step. I think he might have had a, a touch, or even or even Jesus' step. He he may, maybe he knew I'm gonna have the same birthday as Ricky Henderson. Yeah, that's you know that's entirely possible. Maybe that's why. Um, you know, according to uh, according to the Bible, the Creator, God, um, had him born on Christmas. It's like one day there's going to be you know baseball. He he would have to explain baseball, and then he would have to explain yeah. like, concept. This of guy had 1,400 stolen bases. Yeah, this is the guy you want to share your birthday with. He's going to have 50% more career stolen bases than the second best guy. I mean, you you're going to be honored to share a birthday with this guy. So. Yeah. He was born on Christmas 1958 in Chicago. His name was Ricky Nelson Henley. He was not Ricky Henderson at the time. And he was uh, named after musician slash actor of the time, Ricky Nelson. He was the second of five boys. And uh, after his father left the home situation, his mother brought the family, all five of those boys, to the state of Arkansas. And when Ricky was seven years old, 
they ended up moving to Oakland, California. So this is another California kid we're talking about. Our second Oakland native we're talking about, it's him and Joe Morgan, which ironically yep. enough, they have a lot of similarities. So it's an Oakland thing. Yeah, it's an Oakland thing. Getting walks and getting stolen bases is truly an Oakland thing. So when his mother married uh, Paul Henderson uh, in Ricky's junior year of high school, Ricky adopted the name of Ricky Henderson, as you know him now. Not, you know, in, in an alternate universe, we're talking about Ricky Henley, but that is mm -hmm. not the case uh, in this scenario. And Ricky was a star in football and basketball at Oakland Technical High School. And when spring came around, he wasn't... He wasn't necessarily the uh, the most excited about the concept of playing baseball in high school. You know, he might have played in Little League or, or something of that nature. But he wasn't really psyched at the concept of playing baseball. And uh, luckily, I believe it's uh, the Comcast uh, network company in the Bay Area. They have a little tidbit of... Uh, Ricky, you know, accepting baseball, accepting being a baseball player in high school. Actually, I've got to share the audio as well. It's a, pro it's a production oh, okay. element. I'll probably cut this out. Baseball. I played basketball because it was chilly. Baseball wasn't nobody coming out to see enough playing. So why, why do you want to go out and play baseball and you can be doing something else? The lady that kind of was instrumental was a lady who's now passed away was uh, uh, Tommy Wilkerson. And uh, she was somewhat like a godmother to him. She wanted to see the kids to come and play the game, this, the sport that she loved so much. So she invented, came to me and asked me to play baseball. And I told her I didn't really want to play baseball. So she said, I'll make a deal for you. She said, I'll give you a quarter for every hit, for every stolen base you get, and for every run you come across the plate. And you can have your lunch money. That sounded like a good deal to me. I don't have to go to work. I'm working as a baseball player. I did not know the exactly, but I heard about it. And I heard her. And she'd advertise, yeah, you'll get a stolen base. I'll give you a quarter, Ricky. <laughs> so she got me in, into stealing a base. Because every time I got a hit, you know, I know it was a quarter, but I needed to make about $4.50 to take a young lady for lunch. So I had to go get four or five hits, steal three or four bases to do just to make lunch money. So, so that's the story of how Ricky Henderson um, was encapsulated by baseball. Luckily, this wasn't hey. the the NCAA. Maybe he would yeah. have gotten kicked out. Hey, I noticed something in that in that yearbook. They spelled his name R I C K Y. They didn't have the second E. Yeah, I mean that's. I feel like that would be a a common uh a common error because my yeah my mom's name is tracy with an e and i mean that mistake is made countless times the same with my last name yeah yeah it's just it's always gonna be uh you are interesting with the with the e mm -hmm. so ricky was the starting running back of his uh, high school football team and he actually could have gone to college on a football scholarship. 
Um, however, he and his mother decided to go with professional baseball, um, much of the reason being for safety, whether it be for physical safety or, you know, financial safety. You know, baseball players were uh, probably getting paid more than uh, football players. And also, if you get injured in college, you can't go, you know, you're not going to make much money uh, going pro. So that ends up with Ricky Henderson being selected in the fourth round uh, with the 96th overall pick by the hometown team, the Oakland Athletics. And uh, Oakland scout Jim Gwynn actually wrote a glowing report about him uh, early on in his uh, career. He said, quote, Henderson is the best-looking prospect in the Almeida County League and the Oakland Athletic League. I'm impressed with the, I'm impressed with this youngster mainly because of his all-around athletic ability. So that is Ricky Henderson growing up and now he is in professional baseball. So Ricky Henderson of course starts out in the minor leagues and his first professional season was in 1976. He played 46 games in low A, stole 29 bases but posted a 463 on base percentage with a 985 OPS. He was tearing it up from the beginning. And now we're on to 77, his first full season. He steals 95 bases in 134 games and had a 466 OBP with a 934 OPS in A-ball. So he is just wrecking the competition. I mean, he is doing exactly what, you know, the Ricky Henderson we all know and love does since the beginning. And then in 1978, he's still in the minors. He steals 81 bases in 133 games with a 417 OBP in double A. And then in 1979, what ends up being his uh, last full season in the minors, he steals 44 bases in 71 games with a 430 on base percentage and 878 OPS. And on June 24th, 1979, he gets called up and makes his debut for the Oakland A's. And with the A's, he played 89 games in his rookie year, stole 33 bags, while posting a 675 OPS. So, you know, not the greatest all-around hitter, but he can still steal a lot of bases. And that's what you, all you need from a rookie at that time. And his 33 stolen bases actually ranked seventh in the AL that season. That moves on to the 1980 season where the Oakland Athletics actually, uh, actually hired Billy Martin as the manager. And Billy Ball became very famous in the Bay Area, you know, pretty much small ball, get on base, steal bases, move the line, pretty much the epitome of 1980s baseball. I know we, we got a couple friends that, that love them, some 1980s baseball. Mm-hmm. And uh, I understand it. Very, very fun and exciting game in, 19, in the 1980s. So in, so in uh, 1980, Ricky Henderson finished third in the American League in on-base percentage with a 420 on-base percentage. He was ninth in OPS plus with 135. It's important to note uh, the OPS plus and the weighted runs created plus rather than just like OPS because uh, Ricky was playing in the Bay Area, also playing in a bigger park. So it was it was harder to hit there. Mm-hmm. So the park adjusted statistics probably paint the more accurate story of how Ricky Henderson was doing. So he was ninth in OPS plus. He was 10th and weighted runs created plus with 136. And as as a man in his second season, he was second in walks, and he wasn't even a home run hitter. So his eye was absolutely crazy. 
His 117 walks are fifth all-time among players in their first two seasons and most all-time since 1981 among players with 25 or less home runs. And, you know, Ricky had about uh, – I think he had uh, 10 home runs that season. And, you know, for, for everyone – for everyone with less than 25 or less with less than 25 home runs, uh, his walks ranked the best uh, in someone in their first two seasons uh, since since 181. But the main say said 1981 before. The main course of uh, Ricky Henderson's 1980 was stealing a league leading 100 bases. Right out of the gate, stealing 100 bases at a 79% success rate. The league average that year was 67%. So he wasn't getting caught at a bad rate. He was doing, he was stealing 100 bases and he was doing it at a great rate too, not getting caught too much. And he became the first player in the live ball era to have 100 walks and 100 stolen bases in a single season. And no one in their age 21 season or younger has ever had more than 80 stolen bases. Ricky had 100, and no one had ever had uh, more than 80 in their age 21 season or younger in baseball history. That includes the dead ball era as well. Also, in this 1980 season, it was the first season since Ty Cobb's 1915 with a 370-plus on-base percentage and 70-plus stolen bases. And it was the first season in the live ball era, or first season in the World Series era since 1903, with a 370-plus on-base percentage and 100-plus stolen bases. Also, it remains the only... Ricky Henderson didn't even top this. It remains the only season in the World Series era with a 420-plus on-base percentage and 100-plus stolen bases. He ended up finishing second in the American League in wins above replacement. Uh, His 1980 season had the highest war in an age 21 season or younger since Rogers Hornsby's 1917 season. It had been 63 years since someone 21 or younger had a better season, and he ended up finishing 10th in the MVP vote in that age 21 season. Spectacular 1980 from Ricky Henderson. I mean, I remember watching that Rogers Hornsby season in 1917. I thought, I, I remember, Chris, I, I sat next to my uh, to my radio and I just thought, man, no one's ever going to top what Rogers Hornsby did this year at the age of 21 with, you know, the highest war uh, in a season ever from a 21-year-old or younger. You know, I can't believe Ricky Henderson passed that. Yeah, I remember uh, I had, I, had uh, I was one of the OG MLB extra innings guys so oh, wow. I mean, it was pretty expensive back in 1970 back in 1917 it mm-hmm. was like uh it was like three nickels a month <laughs> and uh yeah I I mean it was amazing and you know his last two months I probably watched every single game it was it was incredible to watch really I'll never forget uh John Heyman tweeted after that season saying uh no one will ever do that again and he got old takes exposed when Ricky did it on Twitter Oh my God, that was that was hilarious! Yeah. You know, classic John. Of course, John Amon just thinking that someone else could, no one else could top Rodgers Hornsby. Anyway, now we're in 1981, 
And Ricky Henderson finished fifth in the league in average with a 319, third in the AL in on-base percentage with a 408, sixth in OPS plus with a 151, and also sixth in weighted runs created plus with 152. He led the league in runs scored with 89 and hits with 135, and also stolen bases with 56, of course, in a strike-shortened 81 season. And he finished fourth in defensive war among all fielders, first among outfielders, and of course that means he won a gold glove. And he was tied for first in both, both Fangraphs war and baseball reference war. No matter how, which site you look at, uh, Ricky Henderson won more games than anybody else. He won a silver slugger that year, actually finished second in the MVP vote. He lost on that one. And the A's ended up making the playoffs. And in the AL, wait a minute, hold on. They had an ALDS in 1981? Yeah, it was the strike-shortened year, so they expanded the playoffs. How, how, does that, how much does that uh, add to the theme here? Oh, wow. I, you, got me, you got me caught off for, caught off guard for a second. Well, anyway, in the American League Division Series, he goes two for 11 with two walks and two stolen bases in three games. And in the ALCS, the A's ended up winning that series, four for 11, uh, a walk, three extra base hits, two stolen bases, an 11.44 OPS in just three games. Yeah, and they uh, ended up losing that one. How fun! How funny is it that Ricky Henderson in the in the series that they uh, win, he doesn't do very good, but in the series that they lose, does very well. So interesting how that worked out. That leads to his 1982 season, which is probably his most memorable season, maybe just for. Uh, the records, the potential records. That, utter ridiculousness. Utter ridiculousness. So first of all, he finished third in on-base percentage with a 398 on-base percentage. He also finished, he also led the league in walks with 116. Again, this is not a power guy, especially at the time. I don't think he had any, I don't think he had more than 10 home runs and he was leading the league in walks he had something special uh when it came to being able to see the ball and uh being able to get on base but what was even more special was what he was able to do on the base pass of course this is ricky henderson so on august 26th he has 117 stolen bases. The modern era record, the World Series era record, is 118 set by Lou Brock in uh, what I believe was 1974. And Ricky Henderson is on the brink of tying that record. Team Steele, he's been cut down 39 times, which that too is a record set many years ago by the great Georgia peach Tyrus Raymond Cobb. There he goes! And the throw down at the... Oh! He's real safe, number 118 for Anderson. Crowd, although they have signed up here for Ricky, are booing the call. They had the clean pickoff. Let's look at it again. Nelly, look at this one real close. Caldwell with a little... I mean, how beautiful that it happened on that play. Yeah, exactly. He gets fully picked off and he still gets that uh that back that 118th bag so the very next day august 27th uh he is on the brink 
of breaking that modern era record. I say modern era because someone in 1887 had 138 stolen bases, but who really cares about that? I mean, nobody does. Who, yeah, who really cares about that? I, I might have wouldn't ever done it without him. Anderson takes another step, and there he goes. It's a pitch out. The throw by Simmons. Number 119. He's over the hump. When you know that everybody in the ballpark knows what you're trying to do, and the other team knows exactly what you want to do, and they can. Shout out to that. I mean, how about the fact that that uh, number 118 comes on a pickoff and number 119 comes on a pitch out? Like, they did everything they can to get him, and they still couldn't. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a game changer. You know, this is the stuff that, you know, we're we're just t- we're just scratching the surface with this 1982 mm-hmm. season on how he was able to just affect the game and how you know what he was able to do on the base pad. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, he I don't know if he was the fastest guy, but he was certainly the best base runner, and no one was was even close. So he ended up stealing a league leading 130 bases. That was a modern era record. And he had a 76% success rate, which was 10 percentage points above the league average. The league average was 66%. That's pretty much pretty much uh, the league averages for um, for you know the era that Ricky Ricky Henderson played in. It was usually between 65 and 70%, and he was usually above that. Uh, he finished third in the AL in baseball reference war and fifth in the AL in Fangraphs War, and finished 10th in the AL MVP vote. Tough crowd. Leading him into 1983. So now in 83, he finishes second in on-base percentage with a 414, seventh in OPS plus with a 139. He was 39 points above the average hitter. And he was also seventh in weighted runs created plus with the exact same score. And he also led the lead in walks with 103. And so what do you, wouldn't you know it, he stole a league-leading 108 bases with an 85% success rate in 1983. The league average was 67%. He finishes fourth in Baseball Reference War, third in Fangraphs War. And of all baseball players uh, that have had the amount of – that had eh, – I cut that out. Of all baseball players, he had the most amount of stolen bases before his age 25 season, which was 427, the next closest all-time was 341. So now we're on to 1984. He finishes third in on-base percentage with a 399, just almost to the 400 threshold. Seventh in OPS plus with a 146. Sixth in weighted runs created plus with a 146. And he sets career highs in doubles with 27, home runs with 16, RBI with 58, slugging with a 458, and OPS with an 857. He He led the league once again with 66 stolen bases, a 79% success rate, the league average once again was 67. And he finished ninth in baseball reference war and 10th in Fangraphs war. And after the season was over, he was actually traded with Burt Bradley to the Yankees for Tim Burtzass, Jay Howell, Stan Javier, Eric Plunk, and Jose Rijo. And then he signed a five-year, $8.6 million deal to stay with the Yankees. And that leads into his 1985 season which was his best season. It would be his best season at the time. 
He finished fourth in on-base percentage with 419. But, you know, the main sentiment is him setting career highs in runs with 146, hits with 172, doubles with 28, home runs with 24, slugging percentage with 516, OPS with 934, baseball reference war with 9.9, and fan graphs war with 9.7. He finished third in OPS, finished second in OPS plus with 157, and second in weighted runs created plus with 159. His 146 runs scored, his 150, his 146 runs scored were the most in a single season since 1949. It had been 36 years since someone had scored the same amount of runs in a single season uh, as Ricky Henderson did in 1985. And he scored 49% of the time that he reached base. The league average was 30%. And of course, as tradition, he led the league in stolen bases with 80 stolen bases. And he stole those 80 bases at an 89% success rate. His own, and his 1985 season is the only season in the live ball era with a 925 plus OPS and 70 plus stolen bases. He led the league in wins above replacement. He won the silver slugger, but unfortunately he only finished third in the MVP vote. And then in 1986, he has another spectacular year. He sets career highs in doubles with 31 and home runs with 28. He scored a league leading, once again, 100, 130 runs. And he stole a league leading 87 stolen bases at an 83% success rate. And one thing that, was, that I found particularly fascinating about his 1986 season, he had 13 games with both a home run and a stolen base. And that is the most times that someone has done that in a single season. He finished sixth in the AL in Baseball Reference War and fifth in the AL in Fangraphs War. So now we move on to 1987, which was a short season for him. He only played 95 games due to a hamstring injury. And he had a 423 OBP with a 920 OPS in those 95 games and also had 41 stolen bases. He stole those bases at an 84% success rate, and he was 41 stolen bases. That, that ranked fifth in the AL despite only playing 95 games. Really impressive stuff in a shortened season from Ricky Henderson. So now we're in 1988. He finishes fifth in OBP with a 394. Stole a league-leading 93 bases at an 88% success rate. Fifth in baseball reference war, seventh in fan graphs war, but only 18th in the MVP vote. He still really can't win over the voters. And his 794 stolen bases before his age 30 season are the most all-time, with Ty Cobb being second with 652. He's got him by about 140, a little more than that, actually. And if he retires before turning 30, uh, which would have been right there, his 794 stolen bases would currently rank sixth all-time. He was just getting started at that point. So now we're in 1989, a 392 OBP, 741 OPS, and 25 stolen bases in just 65 games with the Yankees. Uh, with the Yankees being in the middle of the pack and Henderson, uh, his contract being up at the end of the season, he was traded back to Oakland, who were in first place, 
for Greg Cataret, Eric Plunk, and Luis Polonia. Ironically, Eric Plunk was in the same deal twice with Ricky Henderson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just got traded back and forth. So mm-hmm. that leads into Ricky Henderson's second athletics stint, which might have been more impressive than his first athletic stint. So he closes out the season with the A's, plays 85 games with them, and he posts a 425 on base percentage, 863 OPS, 148 OPS plus, and 52 stolen bases in those 85 games. He stole those 52 bases at a 90% success rate. Nine times out of 10, he's going to make it. Yeah, nine times out of 10, he's going to make it uh, in his A's stint in 1989. Overall, his 411 overall on-base percentage ranked third. He led the league in stolen bases with 77, led the league in runs scored with 113, and also led the league in walks with 126. He also had a career high in defensive wins above replacement and defensive runs above average. And it is the only season in the World Series era with 70-plus stolen bases and 120-plus walks. We're talking about over 115 years of history, only season uh, in that era, in that World Series era with 70-plus stolen bases and 120-plus walks. He led the league in war in both Baseball Reference War and Fangraphs War, and he finished ninth in the MVP vote. You know, I, I, might, I get it. There was no uh, defensive metrics back then. But also that, re, that closed out the, uh, the 1980s, uh, and he was the 1980s leader in position player war. So he was essentially the player of the 80s. But still couldn't get an MVP. Still couldn't win an MVP in those 1980s, which is uh, very unfortunate. He probably, in modern day, probably win win a couple there at least. But that doesn't even scratch the surface on the 1989 season. I mean, what he was able to do in the playoffs is something, you know, something I didn't even know about until researching just this week. So I was happy to learn about this unbelievable playoff performance by Ricky Henderson in 1989. And you can just go game by game. And game one of AL, of the ALCS goes 0 for 2, but has two walks and two stolen bases in a 7-3 to victory. In game two of that series, he goes 2 for 2 with two walks and a record-setting four stolen bases in a playoff game in a 6-3 to win. No one has ever had more stolen bases in a playoff game than Ricky Henderson did in game two of the 1989 ALCS. And uh, there's, there's no footage of him breaking the record on, on the MLB uh, YouTube or, any, or anywhere. And I, I demand that be, uh, that be recovered because, I mean, you just need that. The playoff yeah. record, it's got to be there. And then in game three of that series, he, he goes one for four with a walk, a double, and a stolen base. Uh, they ended up losing that game seven to three. And then in game four, to uh, make his mark, to make sure that this, uh, that they don't, you know, that the Toronto Blue Jays don't tie the series, he's making sure that he can make his mark, make his mark on the series, try to 
get the uh, Oakland Athletics up three games to one. And here we are. This will get a run home, maybe more. Mosby going back, looking up, out of here, and into wow. the black seats, the hitting background. There aren't many leadoff men who can launch one like that to dead center field. About a 430-foot shot, 2 nothing Oakland. I think we talked about that yesterday when Jimmy Key was the starter, that you might negate... Might you will negate some of Ricky Henderson's base stealing with the left hand on the mound, but he becomes a little bit better extra base hitter. But that far, I'll show you that line enough and I'm just slightly out of position. A, lot. a drive to left if it's high enough and fair, it's gone. Yeah, it qualified on both counts. And landed right on the top of the fence, just inside the screen. A breaking ball down and in. A blur. Can you imagine how many ways this guy can beat you? Game one and two, great speed, a record, and then he does this today. Jays fans didn't like to Ooh. see him racing. They like him even less trotting. That was a fantastic call by Bob Costas. Yeah. They, they hate him racing. They love him even less trotting. Can't get over that. So in that ALCS game four, he ends up going two for four with a walk along with those two home runs uh, in a six to five victory. And in the potential clincher ALCS game five, he goes one for three with a walk, a triple, an RBI, and a stolen base in a four to three victory and they are going to the world series in the entire american league championship series of 1989 he slashed 400 609 1000 1609 with uh, two home runs five rbi seven walks eight runs scored and eight stolen bases without being caught one single time and his eight stolen bases remain the most in a single postseason series, and it only took him five games to accomplish that. Of course, he wins the American League Championship Series MVP, goes without saying, and then it leads into the World Series where he does not push the brake pedal, does not pull off the gas pedal. In World Series Game 1, he goes 2 for 5 with an RBI and a 5 to nothing victory. In game two, he goes three for three with a walk and a triple, a walk triple and a stolen base in a five to one victory. And then in game three, after a 10 day break because of the, because of the earthquake, he goes one yeah. for five, he goes one for five with a walk, a double, and also two stolen bases. And then in game four, in game four, Ricky Henderson is showing up. He wants to make sure that this, uh, that this World Series is sealed away. He doesn't want the Giants coming back at all. So on the third pitch of the game, on the third pitch of the game, he makes, sure, he makes sure that he 
is going to set the tone. So here's Ricky, 2-0 count, first strike he sees. And he hits a high fly ball to left field, and that one is carrying, and back goes Mitchell, and it's a launching pad again tonight. And I have to tell you, I've seen a lot of games in this park, and that fooled everybody. But on a winless night, what would be a normal routine fly ball goes out, just like last night, one to nothing. That sets a World Series record never in the history of the World Series as eight different players hit home runs. Now only Mark McGuire is not homer. Ricky Henderson, leadoff home run. It became, you know, that was tradition with Ricky Henderson. Come on, Mark, you need to bulk up there. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, how ironic. Mark McGuire, the only the only one on the A's not getting a home run that series. So I guess I guess he compensated later on. So Ricky Henderson in game four of that series, he ends up going three for six with a triple, a home run, and two RBI in a nine to six victory. He was a double away from the cycle. And uh that caps off the World Series. The A's are World Series champions. Ricky Henderson is a World Series champion, and he did everything he could to earn it. In the entire World Series, he slashed 474, 524, 895 for a 1419 OPS. He had five extra base hits, three RBI, four runs scored, and three stolen bases in those four games. And despite leading the team in win probability added, he did not win World Series MVP. It went to Dave Stewart, who uh, started two games, won both Fair those. Enough. Had a had a one six nine ERA, so I guess you could understand giving it to Dave Stewart. In the entire playoffs, Ricky Henderson slashed four forty one, five sixty eight, nine forty one, fifteen oh nine, with eight extra base hits, eight RBI, nine walks, twelve runs scored. 11 stolen bases in nine games. Also, in every single 1989 playoff game, he reached base he reached base safely. Twice. Did it twice every Did it single twice game. every game. It's at least 18 times. Yes. And his 11 stolen bases are tied for the tied for the most in a single postseason. And he stands alone in the era before the three-series uh, playoff format. Him and Kenny Lofton are tied uh, with 11, but Kenny Lofton did it in 1995 when he was playing the ALDS, ALCS, and World Series. Ricky Henderson only had the ALCS in the World Series, so even more impressive from Ricky Henderson. So then that leads into the 1990 season. After 1989, he was on the free agent market. He wasn't officially re-signed by the, by the Athletics, but he ended up signing with the hometown team uh, anyway on the free agent market. Probably got some extra dollars there. And he goes on to have his best season ever, most likely, I would say, best season, his best season ever. So he finished second in average with a 325 average. 
led the league in on-base percentage with 439, was second in slugging percentage with 577, led the league in OPS with 1016. He made it past the 10 mark. Yeah. He led the league in OPS plus with 189 and also weighted runs created plus with 190. He led the league with 119 runs scored. And also, you know, you lead the league in OPS. You know, you lead the league in OPS. That's good enough. He also led the league in stolen bases once again with 65. And he stole those bases at an 87% success rate. I mean, he was the best in the batter's box, and he was the best uh, once he got on those bases. It's the only season in the live ball era with a 1,000-plus OPS and 65-plus stolen bases, and it is the only season ever with a 1,000-plus with a 1,000-plus OPS, 65-plus stolen bases, and 20-plus home runs. No one was within three Fangraphs wins above replacement as Ricky Henderson. That's laughable. In Nobody was even on his planet. Talk about being on another planet in 1990. He, uh, his 1990 season uh, had the highest offensive runs above average in a season since 1966. It had, been, it had been 24 years since someone had produced that many offensive runs above average in a single season. He won the Silver Slugger, and finally, finally, Ricky Henderson wins his first MVP, rightfully so. He should have won it a couple of times beforehand, but finally, he wins that first MVP in 1990. Uh, in the playoffs, uh, the A's continue, continue their dominance, and they're going back to the playoffs. In the ALCS, he hit 294 with a 610 OPS had three RBI and two stolen bases, you know, not the greatest, but the athletics still ended up winning that series and they move on to the world series to face the 1990 Cincinnati Reds. He slashed 333, 444, 667 against them for an 11, 11 OPS uh, with three extra base hits, a home run and three stolen bases against the Reds. But unfortunately the athletics did not win a single game in that series so those contributions can't handle those, the nasty boys can't handle the nasty boys. So Ricky Henderson's individual accomplishments didn't mean anything for the Oakland athletics, unfortunately, or not, unfortunately, you know, the 1990 reds that gave us an episode for sure. Now go listen to episode 32. Go listen to episode 32. That's second half. Mm-hmm. And that caps off a spectacular 11-year stretch from Ricky Henderson. We mentioned he was the player of the 80s, but it would be uh, it would be inappropriate not to include his 1990 season in his run of dominance. Uh, from 1980 to 1990, his average season was 294, 407, 448 for an 854 OPS, had a 141 OPS plus, 146 weighted runs created plus, 96 walks, 113 runs scored, 82 stolen bases at an 82% success rate. Also, from 1980 to 1990, minimum 2,500 plate appearances, which is not that much when you're talking about 11 years. His on-base percentage ranked 
second, his OPS plus ranked 11th, and his weighted runs created plus ranked 7th. To go along with that, he led in walks in this era, led in runs scored in this era, obviously led in stolen bases in this era, and led from 1980 to 1990 in wins above replacement uh, in that 11-year stretch. I mean, spectacular, spectacular stretch there. So now it's hard to turn a book, turn the book on a year like that, but time goes on. And in 1991, Ricky Henderson is up for bigger and better things. On April 28th, Ricky was sitting at 970, 937 career stolen bases, one away of tying the record held by Lou Brock. Ricky with 937 steals. Now to the belt. And the pitch, he's running. Pitch taken. Perry Snow. Save at second base. And Ricky Henderson joins Lou Brock. 938. Ricky has removed second base, patted it lovingly, raises both arms to the crowd. Listen. And there it is. The record is tied. They both sit at 938. So now, of course, the next thing on May 1st, at the age of just 32, Ricky Henderson is now going for the all-time stolen base record for his 939th. Let's roll the tape. Said Ricky from behind a three, a one-nothing depth. Said Ricky goes, a pitch ticket. He's going to have it. He does. Ricky Henderson, no contest, steals third base, jerks the bag from its moorings and holds it aloft, representing number 939. Ricky pounds it with his left fist, hands it to equipment manager Frank Sinchek, who gives him a big hug as Ricky's mom. Again, talking about the uh, game <laughs> being forgotten. <laughs> and Lou Brock, probably the happiest guy on the field right now. He can finally make his speech, pass over the record to Ricky, and go about his business. And there it is. Like I said, Ricky Henderson was only 32 when he broke the record. For reference, Pete Rose broke the hits record at the age of 44. Barry Bonds, who we did last week, broke the home run record at age 43. And Hank Aaron broke the RBI record at age 41. Ricky Henderson, nope, he was 32. He was 12 years younger than Pete Rose when he broke the hits record. Also, this was his 1,615th career game. And Lou Brock played 2,616 career games, just about 1,000 games less for Ricky to, tip, to hit or to steal 939 than it took for Lou Brock, the second best space stealer of all time, to get 938. And Ricky finished sixth in OBP that season with an exactly 400 mark. He led the league in stolen bases with a 58. He had an 823 OPS, 135 OPS plus, and 136 weighted runs created plus. All very good. Now we're on to 1992. On May 1st, exactly one year after breaking the stolen base record, Ricky is sitting at exactly 999 
stolen base. He's looking for a number 1,000. Have like Trammell. He can't play a normal position. Here he goes. Pitch is inside. Tettle and throw. And he is in safely with number 1,000. Recognizing the milestone that Ricky Henderson has just reached. He wants the base. Can't blame him for that. Of course, uh, we'll have to charge him for it. He can have it, but uh, we'll have to charge him about it. What do those go for? 100 bucks or something like that? Sorry, Ricky, it. but fork it up. He can afford it. It was third base that Ricky stole when he broke Brock's record. Got a great jump. It wasn't even a close play. Ricky might wait until the situation was a little bit different, but he took off. It was a good high fast pitch on the inside part to Tettleton. Tettleton makes a good throw. Ricky just gets a great I mean, just thinking about that, over a thousand times he did that, and that was not even close to the end. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. And he was only 33 years old. Uh, injuries led him to only play 117 games that season, but in those 117 games, he finished second in OBP with a 426, sixth in OPS with an 883, and finished sixth in stolen bases with 48. Minimum 500 plate appearances, 155 OPS plus, and 158 weighted runs created plus, ranked fourth, both of them. And he had a 370 OBP, 631 OPS, and two stolen bases in a six-game ALCS loss to the Blue Jays. So then it goes on to 1993, where, you know, Ricky Henderson, he has broken the, uh, he's broken the MLB record or the, uh, the American baseball record. But there's still a guy over in Japan that had more stolen bases than Ricky Henderson. And Ricky Henderson wants to make sure that uh, that is no longer a thing anymore. Mike Aldretti now, and Ricky's running in the first pitch. A throw by Ron Karkabais is not in time. Ricky has stolen the base. 1,066, and Ricky said he was going to present the bag when the steal came to Fukumoto. He has already pulled up the bag from its moorings. A new one is being put in his place. Ricky's walking across the left side of the diamond to bring it to Frank Sinchak, the A's equipment manager. There was a ceremony between the game involving Ricky and Yutaka Fukumoto, in which the uh, Japanese star presented Ricky with a pair of gold spikes. So now it's official. Ricky Henderson is the worldwide leader in stolen bases. You know. The best base dealer in the history of the world in the history of the world in recorded in recorded history i don't know maybe there was a maybe there was someone uh maybe a baseball maybe in another universe someone nah. uh, yeah maybe but no probably way. not probably not i i feel like that would be that's just that just can't happen no one has nope. more stolen bases than ricky henderson in any no universe one. ever so that leads to July 5th, where he's not on the base paths, but he still does what only one man 
It still does, but only one man had done prior uh, in baseball history. They had to they had to make sure that that was true. So let's see what he does. With the Twins, he had some opportunities and pitched in relief. There's a swing and a long drive. That is belted far deep. Left center field. Gone. Another Ricky Henderson leadoff home run. Fifth this year. 60th of his major league career. The ongoing record. It is the 11th home run of 1993. The A's lead. One to nothing. Toledo, that's your A's replay. Ricky on a 3-2 pitch. Clark was down at AAA for 18 days in June. Other than that, he's been with the ball club since the start of the year. There's a drive to left field. It's hit deep. It is gone. Holy Toledo. Has anyone ever done that? Ricky Henderson has homered to open the A's first inning for the second time in this doubleheader. And the A's lead one to nothing. So they went back in the record books and only one man had done it before. It was uh, Harry Hooper. I believe it was, it was for ah, the Red Sox, actually. The all-time Red Sox triples leader. Correct, correct, Harry Hooper. And in 90 games with the Oakland Athletics, Ricky Henderson was, ha- was on track to have another MVP caliber season. He slashed 327, 469, 553 for a 1023 OPS to go along with 31 stolen bases. Then on July 31st, he was traded to the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, who despite you know, having a mediocre performance in the playoffs prior, they were impressed enough in the regular season to take a shot at Ricky Henderson uh, for their 1993 championship run. And they traded, they traded Steve Carse and Jose Herrera for Ricky Henderson. So this leads to Ricky Henderson's career with the Blue Jays. And if you, wanna, if you want to uh, hear our episode on the 1993 Blue Jays, go check out episode 34. It's in the, in the second yes timestamp in the description very offense heavy team correct a lot of speed and ricky henderson definitely added to that he had a mm-hmm. 675 ops with the blue jays definitely took a step back but on the base pass there was no slowing down he stole 22 bases in 44 games with the club and he was only caught twice so he was 22 for 24 uh in stolen base attempts um with the blue jays uh, in that in that short stint, overall he had a 4.32 on base percentage, which ranked third in the AL. His 148 OPS plus ranked seventh, and his 151 weighted runs created plus ranked sixth. His 53 total stolen bases ranked fourth, and uh, also, you know, he stole those 53 bases efficiently. He had an 87% success rate in the ALCS. Uh, of the 1993 playoffs in that playoff run. In that ALCS, he only had a 441 OPS with two stolen bases, but the Blue Jays ended up winning that ALCS against the White Sox, and they moved on to the World Series. And in that World Series, Ricky Ricky Henderson uh, did much better. You know, still, you know, very good for uh, Ricky Henderson. He had a 393 on-base percentage in the World Series, and a 7-11 OPS 
to go along with six runs scored in that World Series victory. So Ricky Henderson, a two-time World Series champion. But after the season, uh, after that 1993 season, he signs a two-year, $8.6 million deal with who else but the Oakland Athletics. He's about to have his third stint with the Oakland Athletics, even after being traded twice. He still loves his, still loves his hometown. So in 1994, he had a 4.11 on base percentage, still getting on base and at an elite rate, and that ranked eighth. His 22 stolen bases ranked 11th, and his 1994 season was his first season outside of the top 10 in stolen bases. That was his first season ever. His 15th season ever uh, was his first season being outside the top 10 in stolen bases. Incredible, incredible. And then in 1995, he had a 407 on base percentage, which ranked 10th, and he had 32 stolen bases, which ranked 8th. Um, Not a very eventful uh, 1994 or 1995 and uh, after that 1995 season, he signed a two-year, $6.2 million deal with the San Diego Padres. So Ricky Henderson, for the first time in his career, dipping his toe into the National League. And in the National League, uh, in San Diego in 1996, he had a 4.10 on base percentage, which ranked fifth, 37 stolen bases, which ranked seventh, and 125 walks, which ranked fourth. And it is the only age 33 season or older with 125 plus walks and 30 plus stolen bases. And, you know, that's age 33 season or older. Ricky Henderson was 37. So, I mean, he just broke that milestone by a lot, by a lot there. And the Padres actually ended up making the playoffs. And in the National League Division Series, he went four for 12 with a home run and a 10-12 OPS, but they only played three games, and they ended up losing that series. So nothing Henderson could really do there. He did everything he could, but the Padres uh, didn't really do do anything in that 1996 NLDS. So now we're on to 1997, and Ricky Henderson has a 422 OBP with 29 stolen bases in 88 games with the Padres, doing pretty well, but he gets traded to the second place California Angels that season. And he didn't exactly have the best tenure there uh, in Anaheim. And the team won the first two games with Henderson on the field and then finished 16 and 25. Tough. And then Henderson put up a 343 OBP, 604 OPS, stole 16 bases in 32 games. So he's still getting his, his stolen bases in, but all in all, he's really not slugging it all that well. And overall, he had a 400 OBP that season, which ranked 21st in the MLB. 45 stolen bases was tied for ninth. And then after 1997, he signs a one-year deal with, you guessed it, the Oakland Athletics for stint number four. Stint number four with those Oakland Athletics. Can't get away from him. Can't get away. Goes back to his hometown for the fourth time. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And he has an absolutely incredible season. Incredible season. At age 39, he leads the league with 66 stolen bases. 66 stolen bases. He's a 39-year-old. He has a mortgage. He has, a, he, he has, a, he has bills He's to pay. He's an ARP. 
yeah, he probably has children in his teen in their teens, and he's still in sixty six bases, and he has <laughs> one hundred eighteen walks, and it is the only age thirty five season or older in baseball history to have one hundred plus walks and thirty plus stolen bases. And Henderson was 39. This is a record for age 35 season or older. Henderson was 39. And it is a single season record for stolen bases for players in their age 36 season or older. Um, not surprised by that at all. And then after 1998, he signed, you know, this time he's not getting traded by the A's. He signs a $3.9 million, million deal for two years with the New York Mets. And with the Mets, I mean, he, he doesn't steal as many bases, but he's getting it done at the batter's box at an elite level. At age 40, he slashed 315, 423, 466, 889 in that 1999 season. His 423 on base percentage ranked seventh in the league, and his 37 stolen bases also ranked seven, seventh in the league. It is the only age 39 season or older in baseball history with a 400 plus on base percentage and 30 plus stolen base, 30 plus stolen bases. Also in 1999, he was ranked, he was named comeback player of the year. And in the national league division series, he went six for six for 15 with a 900 OPS. Um, and also at age four, again, age 40, he set the division series record for stolen bases with six stolen bases. And that record still remains today. This is a 40 year old setting records for stolen bases, single, single season uh, stolen base records in the playoffs. And he's 40. In the National League Championship Series, however, not great. He had a 391 OPS and one stolen bases. And in 2000, uh, he was released due, due to a culmination of off-the-field controversies, you know, with other teammates. He was released in on May 13th of the 2000 season after having a 387 on base on base percentage and 25 walks in 31 total games with the Mets. So now he's traded to the he signs with the Seattle Mariners uh, for a brief stint in 2000, and on May 23rd, just two days before I was born, in fact. Uh, Ricky Henderson achieves yet another milestone in one of the most electric fashions you're ever going to see. I mean, buckle up. Yeah. Top of the eighth at Boston. Blue Jays three, Red Sox two. The 3-2 pitch is high ball four. He walked them. So Ricky Henderson draws the walk, and a historic walk it is. He is one of only three players in Major League history to have 2,000 walks in his career. That was number 2,000. Babe Ruth is the all-time leader in walks with 2,062. I really wish he could have held the base up above his head again. That would have been funny. Yeah. I, I did it. I have drawn a walk. I had to include that because you cannot find any walk milestones on YouTube. We it tried so hard to find Barry Bonds breaking the walk record for last week's show, and it's not out there. We know the yeah. date that it happened. It's not yeah, and we, you know, luckily we have Ricky Henderson's 2000 walk um, to, to, to give to the audience. I mean, they, they, they deserve it. 
Mm-hmm. So that's in his little time with Seattle. He had a 362 OBP. He stole 31 bases in 92 games. And his 31 stolen bases with Seattle actually ranked fourth in the American League, even though he didn't even play a full season there. And his 36 stolen bases combined for a single season are, is a record for someone aged 41 or higher. And in the American League Division Series with Seattle, Ricky went two for five with a walk and a stolen base. And in the American League Championship Series, he went two for 11. Not great. But two of those, both of those hits were doubles, and he also had two walks. So now he goes back to San Diego. And in 2001, he, he breaks some more milestones. On April 25th, he breaks the career walks record. And we don't have that footage because apparently the walks record means nothing to people, which is a shame. But on October 4th, he breaks Ty Cobb's runs scored record, which had stood for almost 100 years at that point, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, almost a full century that Ty Cobb had this record. Mm-hmm. ...against the Astros tonight. Going for 60. I mean, uh, 70 and then 71. There's a high fly ball, left field, that ball to the wall, that's the wall, and there it goes, another home run, and there goes a new all-time run scoring record by Ricky Henderson. Oh, doctor! If you're going to do it, do it with class, and that's the way to do it. Score yourself, hit a home run. What a way, slides in the home plate and surrounded by his teammates. Well, Ricky didn't waste any time that time. He hit the home run, got the run, got the base hit. He's too shy of the 3,000, and he hasn't finished yet. He's got three more games to do it, including this one. So as the announcer mentioned, he's only two hits shy of 3,000. So you know that's the milestone that comes next, and it sure did. Three days later, Ricky Henderson steps to the plate with 2,999 career hits against him. He's 4 for 13 with a home run off Thompson. And a fly ball. Right field. Is it going to fall? Is it going to fall? There it is! There it is! Number 3,000 for Ricky Henderson. And the Padres come streaming out of the dugout to congratulate their teammate when his first at bat has garnered his 3,000th career hit. So Ricky Henderson becomes the latest member of the 3,000 hit club. And that season, he posts a 366 OBP. He had 25 stolen bases, which ranked ninth in baseball. And his 25 stolen bases are a single season record for someone in their age 42 season or older. So now it leads into uh, an odd, I would say an odd portion of his career. I would say Ricky Henderson probably accomplished everything you would want to accomplish. He has 3,000 hits. He has the stolen base record. Uh, no one, he's gotten to the point where no one is going to pass the stolen base record. And he also has the runs record now. But he still wants to keep playing baseball at the age of 43. And he signs a minor league deal uh, with the Red Sox, of which he eventually got promoted uh, to the major leagues pretty much immediately. And in 2002 with the Red Sox, he had a 369 on base percentage. 
uh, in 222 plate appearances and uh, not a lot of stolen bases. Then in 2003, he was not signed by an MLB team and he was signed with an independent league team in Newark, New Jersey. In that independent league, the, uh, it's called the Atlantic League. He posted a 493 on base percentage and a 1084 OPS in 56 games. And that caught the eye of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the Dodgers signed him on July 14th, 2003. Then he played, uh, he played with the Dodgers for 30 games, had 84 plate appearances with the Dodgers in 2003 and posted a 321 on base percentage. And then uh, he was done with major league baseball, but he still wasn't done with baseball in the, he went back to the independent league. He returned to Newark in 2004 at the age of 45. And he put up a 462 on base percentage, 897 OPS and stole 37 bases in 91 games. Just to stay in shape. Just to say, just to stay in shape in that independent league. Then, then he went across the country to San Diego to a different independent league. um, And then in that in his age 46 season in this independent league he put up a 456 on base percentage and 859 OPS and stole 16 bases in 73 games and uh that after 2005 after he was 46 years old he decided to finally hang up the cleats and uh retire completely from professional baseball uh after that 2005 season and you know, after after that, he hasn't done too much in the baseball world. Uh, he was the first base coach for the Mets in 2007. And in 2009, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame at 94.8% with 90, 94.8% of the vote. Uh, spectacular. Definitely earned that respect. Why did Why does he earn that respect? We'll get into the all-time ranks of, you know, where he ranks in baseball lore. Ricky Henderson, he's 26th all-time in hits uh, with 3,055. He's fourth all-time in games played, fourth in plate appearances, fourth in times on base, and second in walks. Barry Bonds, of course, broke that walks record in, uh, I believe it was 2003 or 2004. I forget when. And then also, Ricky Henderson is 14th all-time in position player baseball reference war and 17th all-time in position player uh, fan graphs war. Also, he's the all-time leader in runs scored and stolen bases. As we just showed you, no one has broken those records since Ricky Henderson. He also had 81 career leadoff home runs. Career, you know, leadoff home runs to or home runs to lead off the game for his team, had 81 of those. Those, of course, are the most all-time. He led the league in stolen bases 12 times, which is the most times among all players, and he was top 10 in stolen bases 21 times, which is the most times among all baseball players in history. Now we move on to, you know, those are fun stats, but we'll get even into the more fun stats this is where we we where we really nerd out i know we we nerd out for the whole episode but this is where we get really nerdy ricky henderson he's the only player 
in baseball history to have 3,000 plus hits and 2,000 plus walks. Of course, only player to do that in baseball history. He had 19 games in his career with four plus stolen bases. 19 of those games uh, with four plus stolen bases. And no one else in baseball history has had more than 10 such games. Or no one since 1904. This is when they recorded like game logs. So yeah. no one since 1904 has I'm had more than 10 this. such games. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, I don't know, <laughs> maybe Skippy, Skippy Nippy had, you know, four stolen bases. <laughs> but. <laughs> Dude, did you catch Skippy's 1897 season? It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But since 1904, uh, his his amount of games with four plus stolen bases is the most all time, and no one has had uh, no one has had more than ten of such games. Also, for Ricky Henderson, he's the only player in the World Series era to have 100 walks and 100 stolen bases in a single season, and he had three of those seasons three of those seasons. And he was the only player to have one of those seasons in the World Series era. Also, for Ricky Henderson, had 12 seasons with a 120 plus OPS plus and 50 plus stolen bases. That is the most times among all players and no one else in the live ball era has had more than six such seasons. And Ricky had 12 of those seasons with 120 plus OPS plus and 50 plus stolen bases. Also for Ricky Henderson, he had 11 seasons with 95 plus walks and 45 plus stolen bases. Joe Morgan is the only one in the same stratosphere as Ricky Henderson. Joe Morgan had seven of those seasons, but no other ball player in the live ball era has done it more than once. Ricky Henderson stands alone at 11. And uh, Joe Morgan is the only other one to have multiple of such seasons. Then you also have to consider this statistic. He's the only player with at least 700 stolen bases to have 1,500 walks. And Henderson had 1,406 stolen bases with 2,190 walks. No other player with 700. He had totally stolen bases on that. Yeah, yeah. You, I think you cut out there for a second. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I mean, he had double the amount of stolen bases as the filter that you put in there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's unbe- quite unbelievable. And no one else had 700. He had 1,400. Yeah. And... Uh, he had 704 games with a walk and a stolen base, and no one else has had 400 such games. And I'll close it out. I'll close the fun stats out with these two. This, these are quite unbelievable. If there was a rule that said Ricky Henderson was limited to one stolen base per game, you know, we mentioned Ricky Henderson had, you know, 19 games with four plus stolen bases. He had plenty of games with multiple stolen bases. If there was a rule limiting him to one stolen base per game, he would still have the career stolen base record with 1,035. If you just put a rule that he could only have one per game, 
it's insane. Then, uh, if there was a rule that said, uh, if there was a rule that said Ricky Henderson's stolen bases only counted in games in which he walked, he would still have the stolen base record with 1,001 career stolen bases. Yep. It's unbelievable how far and away, um, how far and away better at base running he was than the rest of the pack. And, He's in a different you know, universe as the rest of the world. Yeah, and that defines what makes Ricky Henderson special. I'll close it out with his legacy. No one has been so far and away better at one component of the game than Ricky Henderson was at base running. So he has 50% more stolen, more career stolen bases than the next best guy, which is Lou Brock. You know, if you look at other standard measurements of offensive success, you look at home runs. Barry Bonds has the home run home runs record. God bless him. He only has 1% more home runs than Hank Aaron. Then you look at hits. Pete Rose only has 2% more hits than Ty Cobb. RBI. Hank Aaron has 4% more RBI than the next best guy, which is Babe Ruth. And, you know, even runs scored, which Ricky Henderson holds the record for. He only has 2% more runs scored than Ty Cobb. I mean, and then you consider Ricky Henderson has 50% uh, more career stolen bases than Lou Brock, who is the second second best uh, in stolen bases. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. And that's how, that's exactly how Ricky Henderson should be remembered. Just far and away the best base stealer of all time. And no one is ever going to catch him uh, in that, in that club. And, you know, even, even with the stolen bases, you also have to consider he had one of the greatest batter, batter eyes in baseball history. So like he had nine seasons with less than a 400 slugging percentage and 80 plus walks. And like, so that, that's saying that even though he's not a power guy, he's still able to get walks, which is not something you see a lot, especially a guy, you know, with speed, you're probably getting on via maybe a single, not getting on via walk a lot. Him and Jim Tomey, are the only players with 6,000 plate appearances to have less than a 280 average and a, and more than a 400 on base percentage. So like he could still get walks without even being a power threat. He, he had less than three, he had less than 300 career home runs and he was still able to get walks at an elite rate. And then also you have to consider his era. He was the epitome of 1980s baseball you know, 1980s, in the 1980s, there was a spectacular boom in stolen bases and basic small ball. Small and Ricky, ball. Ricky Henderson. Like 2015 was, Royals ball. Correct, correct. And Ricky Henderson was the face of that. Ricky Henderson was the face of 1980s baseball, mm-hmm. that small ball, get on base, and then steal more bases. Ricky Henderson. And he even had that power throw, too, like you mentioned. Yeah. You, no, he wasn't obviously not the most powerful person, but he still could crank one out when he needed to. Correct, correct. And uh, I'll, close, I'll close out by saying this. He is possibly the best athlete in baseball history. I mean, you look at – you just watch him play, 
just for a second. You see the, you know, when uh, when he's he running, didn't go, he didn't even want to play baseball. Yeah, he could have been, you know, if he gained some muscle, he could have been one of the greatest running backs of all time. You could mm-hmm. argue. I mean, you you just watch him play. He yeah, had speed. he had speed. He had like a you know he had crazy spring and his steps. Uh, his his body was incredible. Like he was he was wearing a tight uniform, and he had no yeah. shame in that. And even in even when he had his three thousandth hit at age forty two, he was still ripped, and it just never changed. And you know you could argue he was the best pure athlete in baseball history. Um, you know, there's probably some other arguments to be made. There's also not as much footage of other guys in other eras, but you could certainly make that argument with Ricky Henderson. And uh, that's that you, you, do you have anything to, to, to add to that? I've been talking a lot. Yeah. I mean, he was just, I mean, like you, you kind of put it, you kind of nailed it, Chris. Like he was more dominant in any component of the game than anybody in the history of baseball. And you know, he's a player that we're never we're never going to see anyone like him ever again throughout the history of Major League Baseball, at least through our lifetime. I mean, 1,400 stolen bases is unheard of. 100 stolen bases in a year is unheard of. It's impressive today if a guy gets 60. And Ricky Henderson was putting up over 100 on a regular basis in his prime. Yeah, it was just, it was just practice. You mentioned 60. Like, 60 stolen bases was a down year for Ricky yeah. Henderson especially in his prime. It's like only ninth in the league. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's quite unbelievable. He's, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not, you know, he's not maybe, he's probably not a top 10 player of all time, but he's certainly, I would say top five most interesting players of all time. Top one biggest competitor. Yeah. Biggest competitor, you know, playing. who's Who's more competitive than that guy? Yeah. I mean, played major league baseball through his age 44 season in, in four different decades he played yeah he played in four different decades that's that's he, correct he made his debut nine yeah he yeah made his debut in 79 closed it out in 03 and then he was still playing playing professional ball to low five i mean it's it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah it's unbelievable uh you know his his love for competing just in general. So that closes the yeah. book. That closes the book on Ricky Henderson. Hope you enjoyed. That was a long one. He deserves it. Uh, hope you enjoyed. Also, we would like to thank Fangraphs, Baseball Reference, as well as MLB on YouTube for their contributions to our show. We like we couldn't put on these shows without those three places. Yeah, I mean, the the stunning you know, statistics that if you're thinking at home, like how do these guys find these statistics? It's all available on baseball reference. And I, I mean, now baseball reference has a uh, subscription service service that you have right. to pay for. Yeah. yeah. But we're, we're both, bit. we're both paying for it. It's not like um, mm-hmm. they're in some secret society. They're just, uh, <laughs> they're there, they're available to the public. So it's that fan graphs. And then, uh, course thanks to youtube i guess even though i mean i get they they take they get the benefit as well but that closes the book on ricky henderson hope you enjoyed part one of episode 41 um if you want if you are listening on apple Podcasts or spotify and you want to watch the, the one if you want to watch the youtube videos with us 
the, the YouTube channel is called STBNL with Chris Gianta and Daniel Curran. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, I am at Chris underscore Gianta on Twitter. If you want to follow Daniel on Twitter, it is at Daniel underscore Curran. And if you want to, and if you're not following the Instagram, go check out our new Instagram at STBNL podcast. Um, hopefully we can, we can get some, get a good follow in there. I think it, I think it, it's a good platform for the show. Um, and yeah, that's it on Ricky Henderson. We look forward to seeing you on Friday where we are talking about a very exciting team a, a very good brand of baseball that they brought, you know, kind of brought 1980s baseball to 2015, keeping the, keeping the line moving the 2015 Royals. So see you next Friday.